With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is a Monday night. Didn't think that we were going to be recording at this time, especially because I just recorded a podcast last week, but decided, hey, there is no better time to do a podcast than when a trade happens. And we'll have a lot of content up at Denver Stiffs over the course of the next couple of days, but wanted to get on the People's Champ, everybody's favorite podcast guest, at G Money Nugs, it's Gordon Gross, former Denver Stiffs writer. Gordon, how are you? Now that is an intro. That is how this is supposed to work. Good. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Reigning and defending people's champ, me and Will Barton. That's how it goes. Hey, man. I mean, you, everybody seems to love the way that you, the way that your takes go, and and how you comport yourself, and and just the way that you talk. So I'm gonna keep milking that for what it's worth and have you on as many times as I can to get those clicks. Works for me. I'm down for that. Besides, if the Nuggets are going to keep making interesting trades, you can have me on every week. That's totally fine with me. That's that's. I totally hear that. Speaking of interesting trades, what did you first think about when you saw the news this morning? Jeremy Grant is now a Nugget and going out the door and they used a traded player exception and, and a first round pick to get him. I was fairly ecstatic because Jeremy Grant is an incredible player, especially for what the Nuggets need. He's a player who still hasn't yet hit his potential, so that hits their wheelhouse. Right. Um, he he found his long-distance shot last year, so that um, you're buying on an upswing. And he cost you a first-round pick, which is you're just going to take that out of the salary that you're you would pay – to Jeremy to retain him after this year anyway, since he has a player option. So, yeah, yeah that, like, there's there's not a lot of downside in trading something like the 27th pick in the draft um, for Jeremy Grant. He's going to be better than the 27th pick in the draft unless that guy happens to be Rudy Gobert. So, thankfully, we didn't trade with Utah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and it really does seem like that's, that's the modus operandi for Denver right now. While they continue to be top five, a top five level regular season team, at least uh, well, we can debate on what place they'll finish or where they're going to be, but they're going to be mid twenties to late twenties for the foreseeable future. While Nikola Jokic is in a Nuggets uniform. So that, that purports to the 27th overall pick, like you talked about, and the Nuggets seem to be willing to give those up in the name of getting better, which I am a big fan of just because you never know what kind of talent you could get. And I, I do agree with you that Jeremy Grant is 99% going to be better than what the 27th pick is going to likely be. He will be um, 100% better a year from now. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's, so, there's nobody, there's no impact guy that they could get over the next year no. that's actually going to be, that's going that to be That would step in in 2020 and play like Jeremy Grant is going to play. Not My to problem mention, with the Nuggets for a minute has been that 
I I appreciate the fact that they're going with high upside guys like um, Michael Porter Jr. and Ball Ball and you know all these guys uh, Jer- uh, Jared Vanderbilt. But my issue with it is those guys are not ready this year. Those guys are not ready next year to carry a heavy load. So uh, if you want to maximize your time with Jokic, then you want to make sure that you have guys staged out so that by the time Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt and Ball Ball are ready as the next wave, you still had a first wave. And uh, Jeremy Grant makes sure they have a first wave and that they're ready to compete this year in a stacked West, um, especially with another defensive big man, which is terrific. One of the reasons why... I was really miffed that Denver didn't try to go get anybody in free agency this year, particularly a guy like Tobias Harris, was because of that uncertainty. You talk about Michael Porter Jr. and how much faith they have in him being a great piece, and I think I I tend to agree with that. I think that there is a real chance for him to be as as good as a guy like... uh, 2017 2018 Paul George or something like that where he's sure. he's a top 15 player clearly an impact level guy may not be a a superstar but you like how he threw the sure yeah anybody can yeah, be a top sure, 15 yeah, guy yeah, he can be a top 15 guy not a problem yeah, you yeah. can be a top 15 guy so <laughs> uh but what with Jeremy Grant he raises your floor you talked about it he's he's a very steady player he played over 2500 minutes this year with the Oklahoma City Thunder at 2600 over 80 games starting 77 of them he doesn't and miss he, games man that's one of yeah, my favorite things absolutely he's a very steady player he beats uh 77 80 81 80 like that's that is the kind of dependable type that you need when you're dealing with a lot of injured guys. And for for what it's worth, the Nuggets have been pretty injured over the past few years. I think Nuggets fans and and even the the highest the not the highest, but like the 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 fans who are the most high on the Nuggets would say that they have struggled with injuries and that has limited their ceiling over the past couple of years. Well, they it kept can, them out of the coming out of the conference finals last year if Barton yeah. and and Gary Harris had been healthy in the playoffs they would have made the conference finals. And you give me a healthy Michael Porter Jr. to add to that equation too, yeah. then uh, yeah. he may not be a super high-impact player, but the way that everybody seems to be talking about him, that's an impact guy. But now you've got a guy in Jeremy Grant who not only does he raise the floor, but he also raises the ceiling in some of the in some of the ways going down the line, going down the future. Again, 25 years old. Doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. He he's played a lot of minutes in the regular season, but he's only played five years. He's a well, guy not even a lot of minutes. Like he's he's played a normal NBA starters load of minutes. Yeah, we're not talking true. three thousand minutes. We're not talking crazy numbers. He's played, you know, and he came off the bench for a while. Like it, it, he isn't worn down. Correct, uh, but you can't you contrast that with the high ceiling nature of a lot of Denver's prospects, particularly Porter. And you can definitely see a world where Denver bets on themselves and bets on the future of a lineup that looks something akin to Murray, Harris, Porter, Grant, Jokic. And you've got a lot of complementary pieces there and you've got a lot of potential star power there. So you kind of just let it go and see where it goes and see where it takes you. And if these guys are all they're cracked up to be, Jeremy Grant 
being your fifth guy and being your your worst starter raises that floor exponentially. Well, and it also provides you with what you did not have before this, a replacement for Paul Millsap at that defensive four position. They didn't have it. They they were hoping Jared Vanderbilt could fill it, and, and I'm still hopeful that he can. I'm still high on Vanderbilt. But now you have a guy who's built a lot like Vanderbilt in Jeremy Grant, so you can play that guy in a certain you know rebounder role um, next to the rim, uh, trying to you know finish dunks and you know roll off of Jokic and do what you know go clean up the glass. Um, they don't necessarily play a uh, especially similar game since right now Jared Vanderbilt has no shot. Right, uh, but you know this is a this is a guy for your um. Jared to learn from. It's a guy for him to emulate in his game as far as defensive positioning, which I think he's still raw at, having not played real basketball for a couple of years. You know, it it gives him the opportunity to see what a long, quick um, power forward can do um, and maybe give him a, a better model than someone like Millsap who relies, especially at this point in his career, more on being cagey than on um, uh, straight athleticism. For sure. I want to get into some of the questions that we talked about that I, I asked on Twitter. Uh, asked some people to send in your Jeremy Grant questions, your takes, whatever. And, and the predominant question that I got, I, I won't specify any single one, was just that Denver has a lot of guys now. Denver has a lot of players, That's a lot of capable three guys. And, and as you said, yeah, they've, they've always put an emphasis on filling out as much talent on the roster as possible, even if it's not necessarily the, the highest levels of talent. So my question to you is, do the Nuggets have too many guys right now, and do they need to make a consolidation trade? I've said that for three years, too. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, there you it's... Go. It's one of these questions where do they have too many guys? Yes. And then every year they have 25% of their roster get injured. So maybe yeah, you don't have too, too many guys. You know, right now what you have, especially at forward, you know, you've got uh, Millsap who now doesn't have to play a bunch. You have Plumley as your emergency power forward, but he's only going to play. Let's let's yeah. talk about that really quick. Sure. I, I want to let's talk about the Millsap versus Grant thing that, that could potentially be going on. Is it a de facto yes, Millsap is starting scenario, or is there a, is there a world where the Nuggets just decide to start Grant and let him develop next to this core going forward? Uh, depends if you trade Plumley. Interesting. Why? So for me, if you trade Plumley and get back an emergency center of some kind, um, then you can move Millsap to backup minutes at the five. Crossing with power forward minutes at the four with Jokic, he can play basically a Plumlee's exact role. Okay. Um, and so that frees I... up a starting spot for Jeremy Grant to play also next to Jokic and next to Millsap, which would work just fine for me. I think that's a terrific lineup. Small ball next to Millsap, big ball next to Jokic. No problem. I think I agree with that. And, and I'm actually of the opinion that they should be moving forward with this sooner rather than later, uh, considering that Grant has a player option next year and could potentially walk on the Nuggets if, if they don't treat him well. I wonder how he would react to being benched in a contract year and whether he would accept a deal going forward with Denver 
if the money is comparable to somewhere else. Well, I think it depends. He knows that Millsap is at the tail end of his career. Um, and honestly, I said this on Twitter also, but the adjustment to Jokic is not a small one. He has never played with a point center right, ever in his career. And so knowing where you need to be, understanding where the ball's coming from, it's not coming from Westbrook, who's isolating on the outside. You know, it's going to come weird off of weird pick and rolls. He's going to run with you as a 4-5 that you've never done. Right. You know, so it, it's going to take a minute for him to get acclimated. Um, but I would, if, if his minutes are fine, like if he's playing 33 minutes a game, then I don't I don't see what the issue would be as starting or uh, bench. But I know that a lot of players do find that to be an issue, especially when they are hitting a contract year. Um, yeah, I just I just don't see where the minutes come from with him because if you have Millsap playing starter minutes or close to starter minutes, then it's hard to play. Well, Jeremy Millsap Grant's played twenty seven last year, right? Like yeah, twenty seven minutes a game. I'd consider that starter minutes, wouldn't you? Well, it depends where if if he's playing on. Again, it depends what Plum was getting. If Plum was getting ten minutes a game, then it's fine. Honestly. Yeah, I I just I don't see them going that direction either. Uh, it to me, it's it's always been a pretty egalitarian system under under Malone, and and the the bench units have had their their time to shine, and the starters have had their equal time to shine, and they've tried to reduce the starter minutes and and. Well, would you I, play granted the three then? It's a it's a good question. I think that there are actually some there is some capability for that, but I, that's another question that we got on Twitter was whether Jeremy Grant could stick at the three and maybe even start at the three in some scenarios. And they started I, Tory I, Craig at the three. I could they would they could do it. Whether they would is different. Yeah, like you, you get the same amount of dribbling potential and, and passing potential with those two guys, but I I tend to think that he will be a strictly a four and maybe even play some five. Uh, I I, I kind of like Grant as a five more than I do Millsap as a five as well. So I think there is a world where Millsap I is starting and then Grant is the backup and then plays some five instead of Plumley. Yeah, my, my issue for, is not where to get Grant in and... Um... And Millsap their minutes. It's going to be where does Plumlee's minutes go? He also is going into a free agent year. Right. Um, I don't feel like the Nuggets uh, can fully uh, maximize his his time at the center position, um, and not at the four position either. I mean, they they now have so many guys at the four, especially if um, Vlatko comes over. Yeah, that's a big that's a big change too. You know, then you're talking about. Um, you've got Millsap, you've got uh, Grant now. You add uh, your third big is, you know, uh, Vlatko. Uh, and then you've got Wancho, who's not getting any minutes then. And you've got uh, Vanderbilt, who's not getting any minutes then. So what is where... Plumlee certainly can't play the four at that point. You you have way too many guys who the four is their actual position. Um, to That's be insane. playing Plumlee there, you, yeah, you, like it's insane that we've we've moved away from Plumlee kind of has to play the four in some scenarios to now where the he literally can't, like he is now position locked. Well, it was a defensive problem, man. Like a, a lot of the reason that he played the four is because Wancho injured himself and couldn't defend a chair, um, and Wiles just fell in a you know a ditch um, this last year, right. um, based off of what he did the previous year. 
So you lost two, you know, of your power forwards that way. Um, and Vanderbilt wasn't ready to go. That's three. And Leiden, unfortunately, is not an NBA player. That's four. So you've replaced that with a guy who can actually play defense the way you need it played at the four position, which means you don't have to play Plumlee out of position. But that's going to limit his minutes with the roster. So they're going to have to figure out what to do with their backup center role. And I still feel like before too long, they're going to have to move Mason. He's an expiring. It shouldn't be tough. But I, I, after his performance in the playoffs and how he was basically played off the floor, it makes it tough for you to keep him around for a playoff run. If he's not going to be on the floor, you need to have your playoff rotations right. You only need him as a backup, and if you can get a cheaper backup center, that makes sense for all parties, really. Because Plumlee wants those minutes to go get his next contract. I wouldn't even necessarily label it a cheaper backup center. I think especially for this particular year, it's going to be hard to get a cheaper backup center. That's Yeah, that's possible. It would be a different backup center. Yeah, I, the team that I kind of look at is a team like Charlotte, where they don't really have any reason to... Like they, they don't they don't have any way to add talent. Nobody's coming there in free agency unless you're Terry Rozier and they're signing him to an ab- absurd <laughs> right. contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a guy you take like, the money. Take the money. A guy like Bismack Biombo is awful, but you may be able to extract an, an additional asset there and then only have to play Biombo like ten minutes a game or less. And you're looking at ten minutes, man. Like you, what you want from your center is ten minutes a game. You know, uh, there's not going to be any more minutes than that. You're only going to get him in two five-minute rotations. That's it. So, yes, there's a problem if something happens to Jokic, but that's a problem no matter what. Like, that's yeah. not something that Plumlee can solve. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find a, a solid trade partner here, and it's really, it's really, really difficult. One of the places that I thought of was Miami. With Kelly Olynyk for Olynyk, yeah, I can yeah. see Olynyk as as a guy who they would they would probably have to pay him next year as a player option next year, but he's a he's a comparable player, maybe even a little bit better. But he can stretch Stre- the floor, stretches the floor for yeah. sure, and he yeah, doesn't thing need to that be playing doesn't as much. Do. Yeah, so you could actually play Olynyk with a lot of different guys, including Jokic, including Millsap, including Grant. So Vanderbilt, you can play him with guys who can't can, shoot because he can shoot. Yeah, it helps. A, that's a good. A good, good point. It would be a good guy to have Bull Bull learn from as well. Also, that's actually a really good point. Even though, they, I mean, they don't have any sort of similar body style, but they do have a similar assumed play style. Play style. Yeah, yeah, assumed because yeah, you never, you never know what he's. <laughs> you gonna can't be. tell. I have yeah. no idea what he's going to be. But we're getting off track a little bit. Let's get back to some of these questions. I'm going to search through here a little bit. Uh, we talked about the idea of a consolidation trade. Uh, what stands out to you? Is this core good enough to win a championship right now, or are the Nuggets still one piece away? That really depends on Jamal Murray. Yeah, honestly, like if Jamal Murray comes back as the same guy as last year, then no, I don't, I don't think they they quite have it yet. Um, but they're going to be so good in the regular season; they're going to have a top. I I have trouble seeing the Nuggets having down weeks. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I have trouble seeing them scuffle for two, three weeks in a row with a roster as deep as they should be, um, especially if that roster is healthy. They just have too many guys that you can throw at people and no reason to get tired necessarily because you have a deep, deep team. Hmm. So 
the the problem with the consolidation trade, I still feel like they are going to have to move some of these pieces they cannot resign. But the Nuggets have never really done that. The Nuggets have been content to let those guys age off the roster and just go their own way. You know, it they they didn't move Chandler, they didn't move Gallo. I mean, well, they moved they did, Chandler they, eventually, yeah, but, like but not for, not when he was worth something. Yeah, they moved him for. 20 cents on the dollar or whatever. Yeah, well, they had the, they paid a second rounder for somebody to take him off their hands as a cash dump. Like Neg- Negative 20 cents, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> like, it's... It, those are the things where, you know, they had an offer on... Uh, rumors say they had the offer on Chandler, but it wasn't as high of a pick as they wanted, and they just said, nah, we'd rather have the insurance for, and you know, for the team. Like, we would rather have that guy around um, and lose him for nothing. And I feel like this that may happen with Wancho and Beasley, this year, where with a healthy guard rotation, it's going to be hard for Beasley to get even as many minutes as he got last year. I'm really worried about Beasley. I worried about I him am, in way. Not, not. I mean, he's going to be fine. Like he's a good player. He, yeah. Somebody, somebody is going to pay him if he can still add. Like if he can still be content and excellent in a reserve role. I wonder if the Nuggets. If they don't make any moves, if they just take this roster to training camp, if they continue to do continue to make moves and add Andre Iguodala to this roster somehow, that a guy like Beasley could sustain a Terry Rozier type uh, slump, and where okay. he's actually not as good as he was before, simply because he's in a reduced role and doesn't necessarily feel comfortable or is just unhappy. Uh, I know that. The culture in Denver is really good. It's one of the best cultures in the league, but that could flip in an instant, as as has been determined over the last few years. When you watch Boston, man, like you, yeah, you saw like, what happened to Boston and their their culture, and they were like, "We're everything's great. We all love each other." Wait, no, we don't. Yeah, it, every everything was great until it wasn't. And exactly, and and, and the Nuggets have two of those. They have Wancho, who's going for a um for a free agent contract as well. So if Wancho is healthy, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing um, in FIBA this year, is seeing if Wancho can get back on the court and realize some of his, um, some of his actual game, which has been missing for a year and a half. Um, you've got Wancho, who's tr- who you know is a sharpshooting big, uh, who has lots of energy and loves to crash the glass. There's room for that. You can you can pay that guy. Yeah, I see zero room for him on this roster. I don't think they can. I don't think he's going to get minutes, and I don't know how many minutes Beasley is going to get. So in that sense, those are the guys that you would consolidate because they, someone else would want that expiring, so they can, you know, have him for RFA. The uh, the I not I wouldn't say ideal, but the rotation I came up with over the course of this past day. It involved Beasley getting 20 minutes per game, uh, Michael Porter Jr. getting 14, Jeremy Grant getting 24, and Plumlee getting 16. So I don't know if that's a comparable or a reasonable rotation, but it doesn't involve Torrey Craig getting any minutes. It doesn't involve Wancho getting any minutes. Right, and Torrey Craig is the other guy taking a dumb, deep, deep cut in minutes. And and you got to imagine how that's going to affect him too because he, again, is also playing in a contract year. Yep. Well, and he's also a guy who um, he had more offensive game in the G League. He had more offensive game in Australia. 
Um, but it's hard to have an offensive game when you are uh, when you don't know what you're going to be tasked with other than defending. Do you get to shoot today? I might not get to shoot today. It's hard to stay ready and know and not knowing what your offensive role is. So here he might not get minutes at all, and then he'll get like 20 against the right team where we the Nuggets are going to need his his defense at, you know, small forward or shooting guard. This is why the Bradley Beal trade just makes so much sense both from the outside and the inside. Just because if you have a situation where Torrey Craig isn't getting any minutes or Wancho isn't getting any minutes or Jared Vanderbilt isn't getting any minutes, that's probably not a great situation. And, and while the roster is extremely talented, and, and it is, like this is probably the deepest team in the NBA. Yeah. It, it, it's, and I don't even know if that's a question anymore. Uh, no. Uh, that right now you have Will Barton getting starter minutes, and that might change. But Michael Porter Jr., if he, if he plays well, is going to continue cutting into that as well. So the less minutes that everybody gets, the more unhappy you're going to have a number of guys – and, if and you it's can not do college, it, man. It's not yeah. college. You can't play everybody 20 minutes and be like, see, everything's fine. It, you, it's just not something you can do. You can't put them out in hockey waves. Um, I understand it saves them for the playoffs, but guys who aren't going to be here next year have trouble buying into that. So if, uh, if you had an opportunity to do a three-for-one trade for a, a star that was of comparable value, We'll call it Bradley Beal. He was clearly a an all-NBA caliber player this past year. Kind of a guy that Denver could use as either a second scorer behind Jokic or maybe even the primary scorer, depending on how things work. Is that something that interests you? Is that something that should interest the Nuggets? The problem the Nuggets are going to have is that if healthy, the guy you want playing next to Murray is Gary Harris because he can play defense. Sure. Uh, but Gary's struggled with that. Gary has struggled to stay healthy the last couple of years. And it it makes it hard for you to bet that Gary Harris will stay healthy. Because I assume for Bradley Beal, you'd be trading Gary Harris, Mason Plumlee, Malik Beasley in a pick or yeah, something. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the package I was envisioning. Maybe a 2022 pick in the in the rumored double draft that makes sure. it even yeah, more yeah. Which would which would be, yeah, where you're getting all the 18-year-olds t- back in. Sure. But it's really, I understand the desire for Bradley Beal. The guy is an outstanding player. Um, it's such a strange thing to try to add or consolidate pieces on this team, especially the guard rotation. Like, are you better off simply trying to move Barton for for a pick to get your pick back, and plan keeping Beasley and and turning Barton's contract into Beasley's contract. Like I don't know, I don't know <sighs> what that would be. But are you are you would you be rather better served trying to consolidate into a star who has to figure out how to play with Jokic, or into uh, a differently deep lineup and just trusting that your depth will carry you. In the NBA, normally in the playoffs, you're going to want the the, um, the top a, heavy the talent. Yeah, you want the you want the top heavy talent, man. You're only playing eight guys, maybe nine. So, uh, 
I'm just looking at Gary Harris's uh, game totals over the course of his career. Rookie season, which which doesn't necessarily count. Brian Shaw was an ass. He had 55 <laughs> yeah. games. Right. Uh, next season, 76, then 57, then 67, then 57 again. So, not being able to cross 73 years in a row is really rough, man. It's 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 rough, but you know, like there are guys who have been able to come out of that and then have consistent 70 game seasons over Absolutely. the course of the next over the course of their prime. So, you never know how this is going to affect certain guys, which is why I think the Nuggets may hold off on a deal until they really see what they have and I until think they, they want to see it. I, yeah, I'm I, not going to lie to you. I think they want to see it. Maybe they'll get brave at the trade deadline and do a consolidation. But really, it's why they have held their cards for years, and I expect them to continue to hold them. Because if something happens, you need the depth. That's that's all it is. If something happens to Gary Harris again, then you need Malik Beasley. You need him. Yeah. If, not to, if something not to happens mention. to Bradley Beal and you don't have Malik Beasley, what are you doing? Are you running Tory Craig out there at the two? Yeah, no, it's it's that's that would be a tough situation. But not to mention, I think the Nuggets need to start load managing their guys. They haven't done so yet. Yeah. And Jokic played eighty games last year. And that, I feel like he played eighty games in the playoffs, man. I'm not yeah, gonna lie to you. I mean, but he he got super tired in the playoffs too, and he was yeah. missing free throws at the end of games because he was just dead tired and exhausted from carrying the load. So, I'd have to imagine that they did a good job of keeping his minutes down this past year, but they played him a lot of games. If they're in a position where they can play or rest him for a number of games during the regular season, then they should do so. I, they, it's going to be hard to do. It's if you're going for a top two seed, it's hard to let your star rest. It just is, and, that's and fine. you don't have a backup point guard, man. Like you don't have the you don't have another guy. It's not like uh, Portland where you've got CJ McCollum can run the team if uh, Dame Willard is sitting down today, right? Like there's there's nobody who can really do that. And I know, I mean, even if you added Beal, Beal is a decent assist man. He's not a point guard. Sure, sure, but you have you have other talent to surround them too, and if you can if you can get the right mix of guys, then it it's might Monte be okay. Morris, we're covered. But Don't worry about it. Monte exactly, got it. Yes. but but I think that they need to do a good job of managing Gary Harris. Uh, I every, absolutely believe that you every, have to treat him like he's fragile because for three years yeah. he's been fragile. Play him six games, rest him on the seventh game. Yes, that's that's his Sabbath, man. He just needs to be ready for the playoffs and then. Do, do what Keep he can him healthy. To, do not let him play yeah. injured. Because you have Malik Beasley too. Like there's yes. a reason. Like the the reason why you have the depth that you have is to be able to rest your starters. If you're not going to trade them, then play them. Play them twelve deep in the regular season. It doesn't matter. Like you've got the guys. Malik Beasley can get twenty minutes a game. You can give twenty five to Gary and just let him coast for two and a half quarters. You know, for most of the season, it's not a complicated procedure because Gary got paid already. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like he's, he's in a position where he can, he can make those choices and he, or the nuggets can make those choices for him. And well, and Murray got paid. Like so if you need yeah. to load manage Murray, who never takes a day off and won't get off the court. Oh, and by the way, he was pretty injured too this past year. He was beat up. He's beat up every year. Like when people talk about Murray's ceiling, 
you know, and I'm a little lower on it than a lot of people, but how would you know when the guy's played through two hernias, multiple sprained ankles, you know, uh, all sorts of, yeah, core injuries, all sorts of stuff that, that he just keeps playing through. Um, if you can rest him, then you rest him. They have Monte Morris. They have Malik Beasley. You can get those guys on the court and tell Jamal Murray, look, man, you remember last year in the playoffs when we needed you and you gassed because we had to rely on you for everything and you were injured? Well, this year we're not doing that. This year, you know, you're going to play 32 and call it a day. Like, that's fine. It's not a big deal. At this point, they have four guys who played 80 games last year. They had another two guys who played in 75 and then another two who played in 70. So the the guys who were hurt were Gary Harris and Will Barton, and they never really recovered. So right. make sure to give them the rest that they deserve, and then you can be in the playoffs ready. Uh, if this team is as good as they are, then you don't need to manipulate the playoff bracket in order to defeat other teams. Like You can actually go into it rested and recovered and, and ready yep. to roll. Yep, so, and, and it lets you and it lets you stretch your roster out. And if the Nuggets are going to keep their depth, then I want them to use their depth. You know, save Jeremy Grant from having to carry a team into the playoffs, like with 80, 80 games again. Like he doesn't need that. There's he doesn't have to play all of these minutes. You can play him twenty two hundred instead of twenty six hundred, and he'll be just fine. Okay, final final answer: Would you trade Gary Harris and Michael Porter Jr. for Bradley Beal? Yes or no? I would not. Okay. I'm not sure I would either. I just I would understand if it happened, but I wouldn't do it. The way that they've talked about him over the course of the past few years or the past few months has just changed my mind. Uh, but I have gone back and forth on it and understand if they do. Exactly. Um, okay, another one. Do you think the Nuggets are done? Do you think they are like done being big players on the trade market, or is there another guy that they should have their eyes on, or another position that they should have their eyes on? No, man, I think that's it. I think they're going to add their two ways, and they're going to call it a day. Yeah, they've got basic. They've got 13, basically 14 right now. Uh, you have Bull Bull, who isn't officially signed yet, but I expect him to be. That would put them at 14. And then they don't have a backup point guard, and that's what I would like to see. I'd, I'd like to see a guy who's on the permanent roster to be able to come up there. But if they don't have that, then they could bring, up Black, they could bring in Vlatko. Well, and just, and my and, thing is, I expect them to bring in Vlatko, and I expect them to use Will Barton as a third point guard. Yeah, that's probably fine. Like, Not I mean, it's, you've, it, got, you've the, got you've got Murray. I mean, Gary Harris ball. was getting eight and nine assists in you know in some games. Like, you have guys who can play point guard with Jokic. So with that with that designation, then you're not as hampered by not having an emergency point guard. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. I think I agree. The Denver's does have a lot of off ball guys. And not a lot of on-ball guys. And I'm okay with that, given the kind of team that they are and the play styles that they need around Jokic. But it it would be nice to have an additional capable ball handler, uh, even beyond Will Barton, if they plan on starting him. Because that, like, if you if you have an injury to Jamal Murray or Monte Morris, and you, do you want to really move Will Barton out of the starting it's, lineup? Of those it's situations? the injury to Monte so. Morris really that would concern you. Hilariously, yeah. like that's the guy who runs your backup squad. That, like you said, you'd have to shuffle your lineup to put Barton back in control of the bench because at that point you don't have another guy who can, um, who can handle the ball and direct traffic and take care of the bench offense. 
I'd like to see them get another guy. That just I I think that it's the smart thing to do. If it's they the, do it, I still think it's a guy on a two way though, man. Like honestly, man, I, I, I don't I, I don't, don't think there's that. I don't think they're serious about getting an emergency point guard. They they haven't been, so I don't know why they would be now. Let's uh let's move a little bit into ranking the West again. I did this with Zach last week. And we kind of talked about the different scenarios of where Kawhi would go, where Denver might end up. Uh, turned out that it, it, Denver, for us, ranked third. We each had Utah, then Houston, then Denver in the top three. You that had Houston with, over LA? Uh, but that was without the Kawhi news. Oh, so okay. You didn't think of going there yet. Now, and, and not to mention Paul George. Like, what the hell? Like, that's that's completely <laughs> different. So, uh Let's re-rank the top five or six teams or so in the West. Uh, Regular season or uh, championship potential? Let's go championship potential because I think that we're really doing it for regular season. Uh, I would not pick the Utah Jazz to make the championship because I think that they still have a couple of fatal flaws, but we'll get into that later. Uh, Rank your top five championship contenders from the Western Conference. Okay, so we're not going regular season record. We're going chances to win a title. Correct. Okay. Uh, top five is going to be uh, Clippers first. Okay. Um, just because they've got playoff seasoning. They've got dogs on defense. Just absolute animals. Like, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the kind they're... of guys who can change um, a playoff game. So... I will go Clips. I will go oh, ranking Golden State is so tough. They won't um, be making my top 5. I don't expect them to make mine either because of just because of the injury situation and the fact that KD's gone. I mean, you also lost Iguodala. Right. But it's it's such a strange roster. Um I'll go and I still don't know what Houston's going to do if they're going to burn it down. Um, I'll go Houston because they would demolish the Nuggets still. Are we sure about that? I uh, there's just it's just styles make fights, man. Like I don't think that Houston is better than Denver, but I think that Houston's style is still hard for Denver to match up with. I want to see what Jeremy Grant does to that situation. Yeah, because I think he might he might be a good guy to add into that equation, and then he could also play as the backup five in those minutes where Plumlee would pretty much struggle every time against Houston. So right, yeah, you can use him in ways that you can't use Plumlee, and that you couldn't use anyone else on Denver's roster. Like I said, could, I, I, the, the reason I'm so for... high on Jeremy Grant is because he changes the way Denver can play bigs, and that's a huge deal for them. Yeah, he's extremely versatile, can can fill a lot of different roles. Uh, so finish off your list. You had uh, the Clippers, then Houston. I'll go Denver, um, I guess Utah then, and the Trailblazers. It's hard to say with them. No Lakers, huh? Uh, still not a believer in the Lakers, man. Like, you show me. Honestly, like, I understand in the playoffs you've got two of the, you know, two generational players on the team. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to see the rest. Like, I just am. I'm not afraid of AD. Uh, he's never done anything in the playoffs. That's true. 
That's that's very true. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like I, I mean, he's never done anything in the playoffs. I don't think his um, play and style I don't know, really I don't know how many minutes they're going to have to put on LeBron to run that team during the regular season. I don't know that they'll load manage him correctly. I I don't think that Anthony Davis's play style really translates at this point because of how dependent he is on others to set him up. So yes, that he'll have LeBron James as his point guard now. So that's uh, that might change things, of course, but. Do they have enough surrounding talent? I'm going to say no. I don't think they're going to make my top five either. So I'm going to go Houston at number one. Okay. Even though I think even it with is, all the even with all of that and losing a defensive coach, uh, I I don't think they're done making moves. I think okay. that they're going to try and trade for somebody. Not sure who it's going to be, but I would expect it to be a forward of some sort. It's got to be. Um. But yeah, they, I I can see them really struggling against a team like the Clippers. Well, um, that's what I'm saying, man. Like the Clippers have three guys who can make their lives miserable. Yeah, that's imagine imagine I mean, switching. Kawhi, Paul, yeah, get, Kawhi, Paul George, and you've got um, Beverly, Pat Beverly. Come on. Imagine calling for a screen to get Kawhi Leonard switched off of you, only to have Paul George switch on to you. Yeah, and then doing the same thing only to have Patrick Beverly switch on to you. So, right. It's, like uh, I said, they just got dogs out there who will hound. Yeah. It's not just that they're good defenders; they're good on-ball defenders. Guys who are like, "Did you want to penetrate? That's not going to happen. Did you want to shoot over me? I wish you the best." I, I, the clips are interesting. If they can, if they can handle the load on on their injured guys, on their guys who tend to get injured. Patrick Beverly tends to get injured. Um, Kawhi has been injured. Paul George got injured again. That's really their concern. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried that they don't really have a facilitator at any position. Uh, it's all just either scorers or off-ball players. Yeah, it is. So that's I'm I'm going to keep I'm going to stick with that though. You make a competitive a compelling argument for sure. <laughs> I'm going to go Houston one, Clippers two, Denver three. Utah four, Portland five. So pretty close to what you did just okay. switching the top. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, Denver could break into that group. I don't, I don't see any reason why they can't have I don't an think, I think run. all of the final three can break into that group. Utah really depends on how Mike Conley sets in there. And whether he changes Donovan Mitchell's kind of modus operandi. Yes. Gunner. It, yes. If he turns, if he turns it from a gunner into a guy who can be set up, it's different. For them, the the jazz, the jazz would have to be Wes Grindham, which is funny for Mike Conley, but he's yeah. a really good point <laughs> guard, man. If if he can stay, if he can stay healthy, again, they have a it's a health issue. Um, but really, between that and you know the the Nurkic, Willard, McCollum, Trailblazers have added a couple of interesting pieces too. So, uh, my- any of those five could really be top three. On my player rankings uh, that I'm that I'm creating and have been working on crafting formulas for Mike Conley graded out as the 14th best player in the NBA. He's underrated still, which yeah. is insane because he's he's three behind Kyrie Irving, two behind Anthony Davis. Yeah, no, right? he like I said, Mike Conley was a big get. Now we'll see if if it's the right roster fit. That's what I'm really curious about. I'm a little bit but, worried about it going your turn, my turn with yeah, yeah. Uh, with him and Mitchell, but I, but he has I, the respect. Like yeah. Mitchell's a guy who pays respect, 
and Conley is a guy who has earned it. So that I don't I don't necessarily think there will be too much of a power struggle there. Okay, let's get out of here with this. The Nuggets make the NBA Finals if what? Kawhi pulls a hamstring in the playoffs. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, seriously, like. I mean, if they stay healthy, like the Nuggets, if health is going to be the single biggest determining factor for me in these playoffs, um, can the Rockets stay healthy? Because have they ever? Can the Clippers stay healthy? Because if they can't, they don't have the depth anymore to go ahead and and hold it together um, if any of their star pieces fall down. If the Nuggets, you know, the Nuggets health kept them last year, it could do it again. You know, it's 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 health for everybody, man. But if the Nuggets stay healthy, they've got a real shot at the conference finals, and then we'll see what happens. Jeremy Grant got them closer. I don't Jeremy know Grant gets them much closer. I think he is a huge help for all kinds of matchups. I don't know if he's the piece to get them over the top, but I'm really interested to see how he how he integrates himself into the Nuggets system, how he and reacts to playing with And the long-term prospects of it, man, because what I was upset about, or at least concerned about, before now was that Millsap, after this year, is probably gone, or certainly not fitting the same role, and they didn't have another guy who was ready to take over what Millsap does. But if Grant can do that, that changes a whole lot of things for their long-term projection. I really love the pickup. I do, too. It's going to be really interesting to see how this all develops. So, Gordon, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been a pleasure as always. We dragged it out longer because it's me, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> Absolutely, that's uh, that's just how we do it, man. That's, right. That's that's our tandem. So, uh, Gordon occasionally still posts at Denver Stiffs, so keep an eye out for his work when it comes along. I, I expect that over the course of this summer or into the season that he'll he'll come up with a long-winded article about something that's on his mind. So I will I will find a way. Don't you worry about it. I I hundred percent believe it. This has been the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network Nuggets Numbers. I am Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn. He is Gordon Gross at G Money Nugs. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you guys next week. <laughs>